Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. We are up to episode, gosh, we're well over 425 episodes. I've been doing this for almost four and a half years. And the real big takeaway for me is that success leaves clues. So the more opportunity you have to listen to the interviews that I do or any podcast that you can tune into, I believe you can't walk away the same person at the end of any one of these interviews, much less if you listen to dozens of them or hundreds of them or 425 plus shows. So I started the show just to find ideas to inspire myself as an entrepreneur. I, I work, worked for myself now for coming up on 10 years, but every now and then you hit those little uh, plateaus or you feel like you're stuck in a rut. And so that's why I started the show is I believe that success would leave clues and I wanted to get around people who were successful, who were doing things maybe differently than I was, who could inspire me. And I think that we have achieved something pretty cool. We have a great community of listeners. I thank you so much for tuning in and being part of this. If this is the first time you've ever listened to one of these episodes and you like it, jump over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Uh, If you've been listening for a long time and you've never left a review, come on, go do that for me. And then the most important thing you can do is you can tell a friend because the only way this audience grows, everyone who tells me they listen to the show, I always ask, how did you find it? Number one reason, somebody told me it's a good show. So jump over and tell your friends to tune in to cool things entrepreneurs do. Now, before I get started with today's episode, I've got to thank one of the first two sponsors, and that is Amplifier. Now, many of you offer physical products to your fans and your customers, but dealing with that physical stuff like t-shirts and hats or whatever it is, that can be a pain and it steals your precious time having to pack it and then mail it. Well, my friends at Amplifier, they blend order fulfillment, screen printing, and on-demand production into a single self-service platform that you totally control. They are the people behind the Try New Things t-shirts that you can get at trynewthings.shop, which is what I'm selling uh, and people are buying. So it's kind of fun. Amplifier handles all of that. And they can integrate with your e-commerce shop and help you drive any giveaway campaigns that you might do. They're great for big company powerhouses and also entrepreneurs who are just starting out. And on-demand means no inventory risk. But as you grow, you can stock up on inventory, and Amplifier will handle that for you as well. Hey, go over to amplifier.com slash cool things and sign up today. Hey, speaking of today, today I'm excited. I have the CEO and the founder of FreshBooks. Now, I know you've heard of FreshBooks, so I can't wait to get Mike McDermott here with us talking about his journey as an entrepreneur. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. So, Mike, you're one of these guys who's always been an entrepreneur. You didn't go down that sort of corporate uh, lane. So many of us did. I mean, I worked in corporate America for 25 years, always knowing my ladder was against the wrong wall. You were smarter than me. <laughs> you, you decided early on, that's not a good wall. How did you – let's not talk about fresh books yet. Let's talk about how did you get started? What caused you not to go get a job but to start your own, but to start <laughs> your own thing? Let's talk about that wall for a second because I uh... – I was certainly on track to put my, I've never heard that before, the ladder on the wrong wall. I love it. Um, I I actually went to business school and uh, a very good business school. Where did you go? And you may not have heard of it. It's in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. At the time, it was the number one non-US business school. So I call it like the, 
you know, first or second, you know, in the world, maybe if we give Harvard first, right? Well, we, we so, have, we have so a lot, we have cool. a lot of listeners in Canada, so I'm sure they know. There we go. Okay. Very good. So, uh, I, I think it might be a little off its game now, but at the time, very good school. And, um, what I came to realize, uh, you know, my life, I've already started kind of getting off the, uh, you know, sort of the very, very narrow path. And I, I, sort of taken a year between high school and university and gone in. Anyways, I got there and, um, what I realized the business school at the time, it's a little bit different now, but kind of the same is it, it's like a factory for middle managers inside companies. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, everyone was going and doing these recruitment interviews with Accenture and uh, uh, PG. And, and I just, I had no, like, I saw this going on and I was like, it's just not interesting to me at all. So I was in this environment uh, getting ready to do that. And it just did not sit with me. I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't know what to do with myself. But in fourth year, I actually uh, left that program uh, and started two businesses. And um, that that's kind of. Uh, the path I got on, and then I proceeded to really not work for anybody else, um, develop a, an agency that serves small businesses, building websites and helping them with their internet marketing. And, and what brought me to and I'm doing today, and uh, that's kind of my background, and we can go back to it if you like. But uh, anyways, running that agency one day, I saved over an invoice. Uh, I was using Word and Excel to bill my clients, and uh, that's not the way to do it. <laughs> anyways, saved over an invoice and uh, said, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so I built uh, what is now FreshBooks. So, you know, I've heard a lot about a lot about FreshBooks and why don't you tell me then so you, you started it because you had a need for it, but, but let's talk about that business. How did you how did you end up starting it, growing it? What makes FreshBooks special? Well, those are three very different questions with short and long answers. So start it, grow it, and what makes it special? Um, so started it when I saved over that invoice. And I uh, it really started out as a side project for me. I had this consulting firm. And, uh, but I, I quickly kind of fell in love with this notion of a product company. I'd never been a part of one before. It was different than my consulting company. And, um, I worked on this thing as a side project. And then, uh, you know, I, I just found myself having to wrestle with a whole bunch of different problems, which I guess gets you into the growing side of the house. So, um, a product like services companies and product companies, they're both great. They're just, they are literally the problem sets you're solving and how you achieve success there is some crossover, but it, it's also sort of quite different. So, uh, you know, you learn execution in a service firm, uh, delivering for clients, setting expectations, effective communication, project management. That's all great stuff for when you're starting at a product company. But a product company comes with, you know, other problems that are really hard to wrap your head around, like what is the product? <laughs> like what are the bounds of it? Uh, you know, who are we serving? How do we reach them? Um uh, you know, how do we, how do we market the product? What is our brand? What's the culture of the company that we're building? Again, some crossovers in there with services, but I, I just found that landscape of problems to be very, very different. And seeing as I had no experience previously, uh, I was kind of coming at all these things from first principles, which was overwhelming a lot of the time, but also, also pretty fun. So I guess the, the, yeah. maybe the, can I answer that last question? Yeah, too? that's where I was going to remind um, you of that so, one. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, you know, since starting out, um, by the way, I, I was running that consulting firm, saved with that invoice, started this thing, and then moved into my parents' basement, you know, for three and a half years. I, I, when I, we were still running the business out of the basement when I turned 30. Um, <laughs> you know, since then, though, that like over 20 million people have used the software. Right. And 
uh, you know, it's based in the cloud. You get on your phone and your device. And so, so what's different about us? Uh, and I think, I do think, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're building a company, being different really does matter. Uh, and so to begin with, we were cloud before there was cloud. So we're very pioneering in, in having things online. Um, but, you know, as we started to mature uh, and we thought about like what it is we offer to people, you know, we help really with, you know, what, what FreshBooks is, is ridiculously easy to use invoicing and accounting software. Uh, it's built for people who, like I used to, uh, you know, run, frankly, services firms. Whether you're a lawyer or a marketer or a tradesperson, like you're offering or, or a professional speaker paid for services or a professional, or a professional speaker. speaker. That'd be that'd be a great one, right? Uh, and so what I like to say is, if you invoice, you need FreshBooks. Mm-hmm. And what it means is, you know, we're, we're very strict about who we serve. We, we don't serve, you know, restaurants. We don't serve retailers, right? We don't serve really manufacturers. It's really folks who, who 95% of their, uh, you know, quote unquote accounting needs are, are creating invoices, setting up, uh, following up with clients, maybe tracking some time, um, those kinds of things. And, you know, we just believe that by being very, um, so, you know, I don't know if selective, but like, instead of trying to serve everybody, we serve, you know, it's a very large part of the market, but, you know, the needs are very different than, than everyone else. And so we just believe that difference lets us build a, a better product that's simpler and easier to use and, frankly, more relatable. And we think those things really matter and, and sort of drive difference and distinction and, and help people say, you know what, I've tried other products and this thing just feels right for me, so I'm going to use it. And, again, uh, 20 pe- million people have, so you can have confidence in that choice. And, um, yeah, so – and then I'll mention uh, one other thing. So – we um, and, and forgive me, you kind of gave me the platform, so I can run, run with it for a <laughs> when second. When I'm ready to take it back, it, it is my show. I'll take it back when yeah, I want. Okay, but keep okay. going, Mike. Keep going. Uh, I'll, I'll go on one more thread here, which is we have a mantra here, which is ex- execute extraordinary experiences every day. And uh, you know what that means is, hey, we believe we're uh, in the experience business, and if we don't get things done, if we don't execute, none of it matters. So you have to execute. Or in the experience business, uh, we, we believe if you exceed people's expectations, you can do something extraordinary for them. And then they'll tell other people. So, you know, products should kind of market themselves. And that's what we found success with. And then you got to do it every day or you don't get the benefits of all the rest of that hard work you've done. So um, uh, what that's led us to do is, you know, ensure our products are super simple to use, but also build a truly world-class customer service organization. And so, um, you know, one of the things I love about our business is we're digital but if you need a human being, we're there for you. So that's uh, – I'll, I'll stop there. Uh, I could <laughs> wax uh, on and on, but uh, that's, uh, that's some of what makes sense. I actually like that part about the fact that although you're digital, you can reach a human because so many businesses out there, you know, especially businesses we might use for social media or social media marketing or other types of you know, email blasts and things like that, you can't ever reach a person. And you know, if, if you ever do anything wrong – at least they think you did. God forbid you'd ever want to try to appeal it because you can't ever reach a human being. So I love the fact that that, that you're accessible that way. But I want to back up to one thing you said earlier, and that was Mm -hmm. you focus on the services companies. You don't focus on restaurants and and other types of companies, unlike maybe another competitor that comes to mind that kind of works with everybody. And in a way, that sort of resonated with me because I was just talking to someone the other day, and my comment was – not everyone who goes to my website and watches my video as a speaker and trainer, you know, some people are going to go, oh, what a yoho. You know, that's not who we want. Why would we hire him? But I only need like 50 companies and associations a year to be like, oh my God, his message is exactly 
what my people yeah. need. And so I don't have to serve the whole world. There's, there's, you know, 7 billion plus people in the world. I just need, you know, 50 companies or associations who really care about potential and getting their people engaged. And I don't have to be the right speaker for everybody. And I think that gets, yeah. I think that gets people in all industries, my industry, your industry, whatever, in trouble when they try to go too broad. I think when we say, hey, here's who I serve, here's what they look like, and I'm going to kick ass for them. I think that's when we really excel and see the type of success that you've seen. Yeah. I, I mean, the way I, I'd say it, and I, I, I agree, and I always hate when people follow on when people agree about things, but let's just take it one. <laughs> no, uh, well, no, when they agree with me, I'm actually, I'm actually really cool with it. I'm <laughs> well, actually really cool with people. We can no, start, I can just stop. I love it when people we agree with there. me. Go ahead. <laughs> I, 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 I just, just to talk about marketing for a second, because I think it's, it's not a well-understood uh, craft. Uh, at all times, um, you know, the, the art of marketing is kind of taking a stand somewhere and, you know, you're sort of not doing it wrong, right. If you're not repelling a certain number of people, right. But when you're doing that, you're also drawing those who are for you closer to you, right. And the things you stand for. And I think people like feel like it's safe to kind of, Hey, we're for everybody. Uh, but I actually think there's actually much greater safety and much greater, uh, chance to really, really shine for your customers if you can be very clear about who you are and actually, you know, to the exclusion of others, right? Like, you know, hey, we're not for you, right? Because the person, if they come and buy at your store and they realize, oh, this isn't for me, they probably leave going, but I know somebody who this would be perfect for and I'll pass it on to them. <laughs> and that's, I think, what uh, people don't get. And then the people who find you and you're just for them, they're like, this is the best. You're just for me. I'm going to tell everybody. <laughs> and they probably know more people like them. So, I think it, it's a risk. It feels scary to get narrower there, but that's what great marketing is. So how, how many employees do you have now? How big is the company? We're about uh, you know, a little shy of 300. Mm -hmm. So you start off in your parents' basement. What, what is growth like when you go from parents' basement to 300-plus employees? Um, a learning journey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and a lot of like, internal contortions. By the and, way, do your, uh, do, your, do your parents have stock because it was their basement? Actually, they've done pretty well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they're 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 north a hundred x, which is which is good, uh, and it's been nice to be able to uh, uh, return a little bit of capital to them over the years. But um, uh, yeah, so um, that is it, it, it's been different, and it's it's been the fun of it, but it's 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 not easy, right? Uh, it takes a lot of uh, a lot of changes, a lot of changes in the company, a lot of changes in oneself. So, what do you love? about the life of an entrepreneur. It's all you've done, but what do you love about it? Um, well, I, I'd like to think I've done other things, maybe not career-related so much. But um, I think if I look at what I love about the things that, uh, that I have passion for that are maybe not career, I actually think being an entrepreneur has a lot of those in common. Um, so I'm going to use skiing <laughs> as a sport. I love playing sports. I played a few of them. Skiing is one I got particularly into. And, um, uh, you know, things I loved about uh, skiing was it was a challenge, you know, it was fast and like, you're always looking at terrain that's, that's different. And I actually have a poster in this office I'm sitting at right now. It says steeper runs make better skiers. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that's the thing about running a business and being an entrepreneur too. Um, you, you're kind of hurtling along. You, you can't necessarily see around the next corner or past the next tree if you're skiing in the trees or you know around the next mobile you, you've got to kind of figure it out 
and it's challenging physically and mentally. It's a great way to spend a day. You kind of you know put everything you got into it, and then go home exhausted at the end of the day, and then and do it all over again. And that, uh, you know, so so really, if I had to boil it down, I think of being an entrepreneur as like a lifestyle sport, right? Like my favorite sports are lifestyle ones. Skiing is it's a lifestyle sport, um, uh, and I think that's what being entrepreneurs like. It's like you're choosing a lifestyle for a career as opposed to a career. So it's interesting. My uh, my future son-in-law is a double black diamond skier, and he's mm-hmm. also he's also a mathematician. And mm-hmm. I think he sees sort of some of some of the similarities between like high end business math and and skiing is the same thing. You just what you were saying, right? You have to look ahead. You have to plan the terrain. You learn from what you've done before. It makes, takes you along farther on the next problem, uh, and things like that. So I think skiing is actually a great analogy for for what you just described because I've actually had this discussion with Thomas before. So I think that's I think that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I remember as a kid just trying to ski the hardest hill. And I'd get my, you know, be terrible. But at the end of the day, I'd be better at it than I was at the start. And you know, that's the, that's, that's that challenge of personal growth. That's what I like so much about what I do. So my daughter always wanted to ski, but we live in Austin, Texas and it's far and it's expensive and we just never did it. I think we took her skiing one time. And so she started dating this young man three years ago and, and two years ago, he, he took on the task of teaching her to ski and his goal was to get her to blues in the first season and he got her to blacks in the first season. And I think part of part of that was just like you said, it was like, okay, you've mastered that. Let's go to the next. Let's go to the next. And uh, yeah. his father got to go. They all went skiing with his family. And his father said he did a great job of teaching her, you know, that she has great technique. In one season, she was about as good as anyone could get. And he said, but she's really slow. She still skis scared because, mm. you know, it was too fast. I mean, she, you know, she got good at it, but, you know, she went from, the bunny hills to, uh, to, to blacks in one season. So sometimes that happens in entrepreneurship. You know, some people ski scared, you know, some people ski scared. So how do you work past the fear as you grow a business so quickly and to so many employees? Uh, no growth, no fear, no fear, no growth. (laughs) Uh, that is that they go hand in hand. Uh, the goal is not to have no fear. Uh, the goal is to, um, actually push yourself to a place of fear, uh, stay there for a while and wrestle it into a place that's, um, you know, not like there's kind of like, think of it as like a three zones. There's comfort, there's growth, and there's fear. (laughs) And, you know, when you bite off more than you can handle, uh, take on much too much you can do. And we we all have this at times in our lives. Like you go into like a fear, you know, dare I say like anxiety, how am I going to land this plane kind of mindset? And, uh, but, you know, that's also like inevitably you get to the other side and maybe you, you know, did it really well or maybe, you know, you didn't. But either way, you're learning and you're growing, right? And, and the next time you take on that same thing, it's actually more manageable and you can handle it better. And so uh, because you grow and you get better at it. And then pretty soon, like that same thing that was incredibly hard the first time, you're kind of bored. You're in your comfort zone. And, and it's time to like push yourself into that next uh, uh, fear zone. So I, I actually think that that's the, the habit of it. I, I've spent, you know, sustained periods of time uh, in fear. And when I, I mean like quarters, uh, it, it's not the best, <laughs> uh, but, but you're, you know, you're frantically trying to figure out how to do the stuff. And uh, you know, the other side of that is, wow, I learned a lot. I thought about things in ways that, you know, you go out in the world now and it's, it's interesting. Like there's, there's not that many people who have, have lived in that place 
there there are many don't get me wrong it's not like i think i'm a special snowflake but there are also <laughs> not that many so I, I do a program when I go into companies called The Paradox of Potential because potential is awesome and we all think we have a lot of potential and we hire Becky and we think, oh, she's got so much potential. And then a year later, we're transitioning her out of the company because it didn't work out. But wait, she had potential. And one of the answers, it's a really interactive conversation and, and each company we get into different things because every company brings up different different things that are about them. But this idea of working past the fear is a constant that comes up in almost every discussion. Uh, there's a couple of points that always seem to come up, and, and I like, I wrote down your analogy of, you know, comfort, growth, and fear of the three zones, because that speaks so much to the research that I'm doing around this. And, and you know, if you're in your comfort zone, you know, you're stuck. You know, you got you to gotta go beyond that. You got to try new things. But, uh, you know, if you, get, if you get too far past growth, the, the fear can be paralyzing for some people, and that is a conversation that comes up all the time. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's, it's, uh, you know, that's kind of life, right? Um, yeah, uh, there, there we go. So, so let's, let's unpack this a little bit. So I, you know, I talk about this, this gap between potential and results. Why do you think, what are some of the deltas? Why do you think some entrepreneurs are able to get farther across the gap and achieve amazing results when other people who had just as much potential flounder? Um, I'm going to give you a couple answers. Um, you know, the first one is um, it's it's not always the smartest people, right? Uh, it's often the folks who just persevere and stick with it. And I think I probably have more of that than <laughs> you and, anything else you certainly and me in the early days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's a thing, right? Like intellectually knowing what to do and then actually sitting in the muck, right? And being that uncomfortable for that long or – uh, it is a different, it's a different set of strengths and capabilities. So I think, I think that's a big difference. I also think, um, you know, and I tell this story from time to time, but it, it, it's an interesting one uh, to me. And I, I reflect on it and it's kind of speaks to, hey, there's different kinds of people in this world. Uh, with my consulting business, which I was running pretty much out of school, I had two, uh, my two first clients who are great clients I still have a relationship with. One was a caterer and one was a a travel uh, industry uh, owner. I helped. I was helping them with their web stuff, helping them grow their businesses and get organized. And I, I sat alongside both of them at different times in their journeys when they had an opportunity. And they had an opportunity to take their businesses to another level. It was a big door. It was sitting in their opening. I sat and I looked into that door with them, and they looked at it too. And I was like, you know, it was obvious to me we were going through that door and I was part of helping them go through that and go to the next phase of growth and what have you. And interestingly, they both shied away from that door. And um, I, I, you know, I think these are wonderful people and I, I have no judgment about the fact that that's what they did. But I, I think I learned something about myself that day, which is like, I like going through that door, having no idea what's on the other side realizing it's actually like uh, a, a trap door <laughs> and you're, you're falling and then you got to figure out how to kind of land before you hit the ground uh, or take flight before you hit the ground. And, and that for me is a lot of fun. Um, and I think there's lots of folks who that is their idea of, you know, uh, a nightmare, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> which is, I, you know, I don't know how to account for it, but I, and I, th I think it's a little bit the difference between an owner and an entrepreneur. And I think those, are, those words are not interchangeable. Uh, at least to me. Um, and it's, uh, and, and by the way, I think both are great, right? That's not a one or the other kind of thing. 
uh, we need both in this world, and they're both uh, to be loved and admired and valued. But uh, but but it's not the same thing. No, I I, I agree. I, I I I won't say who, but I know a person who, you know, always called herself an entrepreneur, but she actually was like sort of an accidental business owner. She started something and then it grew, but you know, she was she was truly kind of scared of risk and and the things that I would put into the entrepreneurial category. That being said, as an owner and founder, she built a great company. So. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 it's, it's not bad, but I, I think that there is a fine line between that. Now, I use the word pretty broadly here on the show. I always talk about entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, uh, business leaders, and anyone with the entrepreneurial spirit because it's that spirit that I, I really sort of look for. And I can tell just in our short time talking that you've got it in sort of spades. So if someone's listening to this show because they want advice, they, they, they want to go do their own thing, or that maybe they're doing their own thing and they want to grow it, they're, they just started it in the basement, but they want to get to 300 plus employees. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs who come to you and say, hey, Mike, how can I build something? Yeah. I think there's, uh, you know, uh, two things that come to mind. Um, one is, you know, you're like, is to remember why you're in it. Right. And, you know, if, if you're in it to make money, um, I don't think you're going to make it very far. Right. You got to be in it for something more than that. And I just love you know, serving customers and, and, and clients and, you know, in the earliest days in the basement, it was literally customer feedback that kind of got us through and, and the challenge of trying to figure this stuff out. So I, I really love that. And it, which kind of, you know, goes nicely together with the other thing, which is um, I, I think you have to, it, it's a little like life. And I'm actually probably better with my work than actually like the rest of my life sometimes. <laughs> but like, I, I think you need to work at enjoying the ride. Right, like, or the drive, or the march, or the whatever you want to call it, because it's challenging at times. But, like, there is if you don't like that, it's it's probably you know it may not be for you. And by the way, then I'd say, hey, that's okay, but it, it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to stick with things, and that's why I call it a lifestyle. Like, it's a lifestyle choice to be challenged in this way, right? Um, that that I think is is a thing, and you may try it out and say it's not for you in the end. But um, what I'd encourage you to do is figure out how do you make this something that you actually enjoy and instead of feeling stressed, like, you know, just like sort of welcome the challenge and, and recognize it can be overwhelming sometimes that everybody goes through that. Uh, and it's a cycle of getting the other side of that and surprising yourself uh, and carrying on. So, Mike, I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Mike McDermott. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Mike, I call this show cool things entrepreneurs do. What's the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now? I, um, so I can give you a right now answer, but you know, I think we did some, we've done a number of things that are really cool, uh, over the years. Uh, we did something, you know, sort of relatively recently that I think is is worthy of uh, 
using as the answer to that question, which is um, we built uh, our own competitor in stealth and used it to compete with us directly uh, and then use that new product to become our, our future platform uh, for our customers. Hmm. Um, tell, me, tell me more about that. That's, <laughs> that's, not, uh, that's not what I would call like totally intuitive. <laughs> it, there's a lot of sense to it once you, uh, if you, if you go on the journey, but um, effectively we had a, a leading product. Uh, you know, as I said, we started it out in my parents' basement and hired a whole bunch of professional engineers over the years and basically got to a place where we said, hey, we really think to win in five or 10 years, um, you know, we're doing great right now, but to win in five or 10 years, we actually need a, a new, new platform. And so we decided um, to, to build one. Uh, it, was, it seemed to be the right problem for reasons, uh, uh, solution for reasons that I'm going to. Anyways, it's a very risky proposition. Um, you know, lots of people build a new product and, you know, people don't like it as much. I like to use the analogy of with you know, any creative exercise, like, an album, like if you got a band, you love the first album, they come out with their second album, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. I can't believe, can't believe I love this band. Uh, you're like so ashamed, and and that can happen with products. And so, um, basically, we wanted to find a way to de-risk that that effort. And uh, what we came to believe is like, unless we have data and testing and people using it, like we're never really going to know. And so then we wanted to figure out, well, how do we do it in a way where we can, uh, you know take big risks as a team and, you know, not have our competitors watching our every step. And so uh, the solution was, why don't we create another company and build our new offering there? And uh, then we can have people use it and test and learn. And, and so that's what we did. Uh, it was called Billspring. It had its own website, its own logo, its own everything else. And um, that eventually became the, the new FreshBooks, which uh, you get if you signed up today. Oh, that, that, is, that, that is new and that's fresh and that's cool. Thus the reason you're called FreshBooks, because that's a fresh idea. <laughs> part of it we've done some other stuff over the years uh, as well so it's, uh, it's it's fine it's part of our dna to like solve really challenging business problems with an unusual and creative approach no i think that's great i mean that's that's what entrepreneurs do so i like that story hey i ask everyone who comes on the show who they admire out there in the entrepreneur sphere if you look around at entrepreneurs i think entrepreneurs the great ones i think they're observers and so i love to find out who you look at and say hey <laughs> she or he they're cool so, um, you know, I think there's lots of credible candidates out there for lots of different reasons. Uh, who I'm going to go with today, uh, and on many days, but maybe not all days, uh, is uh, a gentleman named Isidore Sharp. Isidore Sharp is the founder of a company uh, called The Four Seasons. They're a hotel chain, mm -hmm. kind of a luxury hotel chain now. And uh, the thing about what The Four Seasons has done successfully over the decades, uh, which is incredibly hard to do, uh, and which is near and dear to my heart here at FreshBooks, is, is build a culture and an organization that repeatedly and consistently, consistently delivers like these, um, these, these experiences that are kind of like flawless in terms of level of service um, across a bunch of hotels around the world. And, um, you know, I haven't spent my life going to Four Seasons. That's not how it was for me. But <laughs> I, I've been a student of the business because we're really into service. And I actually started, like, I'd go on vacation with my wife. And we'd go for, like, one or two nights and, like, check it out. And, like, you know, it just never failed, right? Um, you know, people would be anticipating, you know, what you'd like next if you're ordering something or, 
um, you know, like just a hundred little itty bitty things uh, that just made, I talk at FreshBooks, we, we would talk about 4E, uh, execute extraordinary experiences every day. Um, I like to think about the experience continuum. Your job is to keep your customers from never having like a little paper cut. There's just this like little balloon of like, oh, this product is great. I called service. That was so easy. Like you never have a frustration. I, I think the Four Seasons, um, you know, have a, had a sustained track record of doing that. Um, and that to me is a, a remarkable thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Toronto-based entrepreneur and, and so uh, so is this story. Yep, absolutely. That's that's awesome. I think they're a great hotel chain. I've been fortunate enough to to stay at several, and uh, they do always deliver. So the last question I ask everybody who comes on the show is, is what do you do to sort of give back to the greater good? Because I think entrepreneurs, I think we really should do more than just make money and cash checks. I think we have to find some way to leave a mark behind. So so what have you done? Yeah. So I, I got a few answers to this question. So first of all, I, I believe my everyday is, is, is a big deal there. Like we serve others. That's what we do. Uh, and, you know, we're helping a lot of people who help a lot of people. And uh, I'm really proud of that, right? And so when we answer the phone to help a small business owner who's helping their clients do things, I, I do believe that's putting something in the world. It's actually not about money, right? It's about helping that person. It leads to money. That's great. But, uh, but, but there's that. Um, another thing that I've been proud to be involved with is uh, we've had a big hand in uh, this. Again, I'm based in the city of Toronto. And, you know, as a technology industry, when we got started out, there really wasn't one. But, you know, one of the themes as an individual and frankly, as a company has been participation in our, our local community. And so um, the technology industry has grown hugely here in Toronto. And I, I like to take credit for a lot of that because, uh, you know, we were one of the first companies who decided to build here versus, you know, just move down to Silicon Valley if they reached any kind of scale. And so uh, people started to believe you could do that kind of stuff here. And then I was worked with a, a, actually five other uh, people, and we founded a conference series and um, helped you know bring people from away into town to help develop the entrepreneurial community here. And you know we it was a very successful conference. We ran it for seven years, and I think we brought a lot of people together that built a network that then helped you know sort of this industry emerge here in Toronto. And so I'm proud of that. And then, uh, you know, again, a lot of my givebacks have been to the entrepreneurial community. So that was, that was one. And then uh, I kind of was like, okay, I can't do that as well as run FreshBooks anymore. So I started doing Wednesday night dinners with select entrepreneurs where the rules were, um, you're going to take me to, a, you're going to recommend a venue that I've never been to that you think is great. I'm going to pick up the bill and I'm going to help you with whatever problems you have. And so I'd meet people and that was kind of more one-to-one -one and less scalable, but again, it was about building entrepreneurship capacity in our, our local area. And then, and then finally, this is the last thing and kind of a neat thing about FreshBooks, but everyone at FreshBooks um, can invest three days of their year, uh, you know, sort of paid working days in frankly community service and things of that nature. And awesome. so uh, we, we help, uh, you know, a variety of local organizations like there's a, uh, a food bank and like a shelter that, um, you know, so we get involved as an organization helping serve meals and pack boxes and, uh, and, and that kind of thing. And then people also have the time to you know participate in things that, you know, are, are of their own choosing. And so I think what, what's fun as we build and scale FreshBooks is, Hey, we can have impact in our community, you know, both uh, for me as entrepreneurs, but also, you know, for folks who are perhaps uh, less advantaged at this time. And uh, you know, that, that that's exciting to me. No, I, I, I love all of those ideas, and I love the idea about entrepreneurs who, who want to learn from you 
you know, going out to dinner with them and, and, and going out to venues you've never been to before. I think that's that one that one sort of stuck out at me because I get people all the time who are like, hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? I mean, how many Starbucks can I go to? Uh, and I thought, you know, what, what a great idea. I, my, my usual trick is if, if you want to buy me a cup of coffee, you got to do it at 730 in the morning at the Starbucks by my house, which uh, <laughs> which is my way to weed out the people who aren't willing to drive across town. But uh, but the reality is I kind of was inspired that maybe I should say pick a coffee shop I've never been to because Austin has like I think uh, I think if you move to Austin, you have to open a coffee shop now. So I think there's, mm-hmm. you know, a new coffee shop every day. But uh, that's I kind of like that idea. That's kind of a cool way to do it. To that way, you get to explore venues you've never been for been to, and at the same time, you get to help somebody. Yep. So, so I like that. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing with the listeners of this show. If if somebody needs to find out more about you, or maybe they need to sign up for for FreshBooks, how how do they do that? Uh, if you invoice, you need fresh books. Check us out at freshbooks.com. Unless you can, you're a uh, restaurant, get, get started for free. Unless you're well, a restaurant. So- if you're the catering arm of your restaurant, by all means, sign up. Uh, but if you're the uh, the maitre d and doing point of sale at tables, uh, probably probably less less for you. Yeah. So so they just go to freshbooks.com. That's correct. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I say it every time, though. The guests are great, but if it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I hope that you were inspired by Mike's story. I know that I am. And uh, if you uh, want to reach out and let them know that you listened to the show, uh, drop them a note and say, hey, I heard you on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And at the same time, tune in again. We're going to be back a week from now with another interview with somebody just as cool as Mike. I know you're thinking, how in the world will you do that? But we always manage to pull it off. And then on Tuesday, we'll be back with another episode where I'm talking about what I've learned from all the research that I'm doing on career potential and where people are. So Tuesdays are the shows about potential and growth. And Thursdays are the interviews with great people like Mike. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you before the next episode, go out and try something new. If you want different results and you're doing the same thing time after time, uh, you shouldn't be shocked that you're not getting new, fresh results. So uh, try something new. It's Every time I try something new, it opens up new doors. And while you're doing something new, make sure that you have a great time doing it. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.